I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, the show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, my guest is Danielle Pemberton-Hurd. Danielle is the Chief Legal Officer and a Managing Director with Diversified Search Group, a woman-founded search term that recruits leadership through a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. Prior to search, Danielle spent 15 years as Group Counsel, Programming, and Business Affairs at PBS, Public Broadcasting Service, the nation's largest non-commercial media enterprise where she directed work on behalf of PBS and its 300-plus member stations. The list of organizations that Danielle is involved in is so long and impressive that I only have time to name a few. Um, Overall, she's committed to emerging leaders, talent pipeline development, community service, and corporate responsibility initiatives, and was a regional judge for President Obama's Presidential Commission on White House Fellowships. She was also one of the founders of Level 8, a committed group of women focused on leveling the playing field and providing equal access for Washington, D.C. youth. Danielle has a B.A. in political science from Tufts University, a law degree from Case Western Reserve University, and is an alumna of Columbia University Graduate School of Business. And last, but definitely not least, Danielle is the proud mother of two college-age students, one who is going to graduate this year, and enjoys travel, classic films, and dancing, which we will hear more about on the show. Danielle, it's so great to see you. Thank you for joining me. Good to see you. Well, first up, uh, the important stuff. How are you? Where are you? And what are you What are you feeling excited about right now? Well, you know, I'm here in Washington, D.C. I just am back about two weeks ago. I took my first post-COVID trip after being fully vaccinated to see my daughter in California and was really excited to sort of do that for the Mm -hmm. first time after being really committed to staying put during COVID. So I'm just excited about, I, I just got off of call with a client and you can feel a little bit of excitement in the air about people being able to move a bit. I think on the East Coast, the weather, the improving weather yeah. is making people more excited about moving about. Yeah, I I agree. I, it was 70 degrees here in New York City the other day, and I went out for dinner. We were outside. There were so many people. And I agree, like the buzz, the buzz is in the air. So I'm, I am feeling hopeful as well. So I... I I'm excited to have you here for so many reasons. One, I always love to see you and talk to you, and I learn so much. I also feel like, you know, being in the search world, executive search world, which I'm biased, having been an executive search person, it's, other than what I'm doing now, probably my favorite job on the planet. And when I was thinking about my talk with you today, you're really in many ways at the center of what I'm calling, you know, the the hybrid revolution. You're talking to companies about who they want to hire and what the jobs are going to look like, in-person, remote, something in between. So I'm so excited. But I want to start off when I was looking at your firm in a little bit more detail. It's you the, When you look at the website, it's described as recruiting leaders through a DE&I lens. And with the pandemic and all of the social unrest right now in many companies, DEI is front and center. So what does that mean to recruit through that lens? And is this something that your firm has always done or is it something in response to the pandemic? Sorry, there's a very long question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess I can start at the beginning. Our firm, Diversified Search Group, is um, amazing because it was actually founded by a woman 
who was a secretary at the time, 40 plus years ago, and she would help women um, find jobs part-time from her kitchen table in the evening. And at the time, women were hopeful to be in a secretarial pool. And as opportunities for women expanded, Judith von Seldenick expanded the firm and grew it into the firm that it is today. So the great thing is the lens and the commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion has always sort of been at the forefront of the firm. She's been fighting for women and those of us in the firm have been fighting for any underrepresented individuals to sort of be part of the discussion and have a seat at the table. So when we say that we're recruiting through a DE&I lens, it's really, you know, what is diversity and inclusion. And really, you're looking at diversity tells you who's in the room. Inclusion tells you who feels welcome in the room. Equity is who has access to the room. And justice is really about who is who in the room is taken seriously, who has their concerns heard. And I think there's probably been no more important point in history when you combine the social justice disruptions and movements following egregious behavior on the part of those who are supposed to protect and serve people and a global pandemic. You put those things together and you have such a disruption in everyone's lives, even those who think that notions of DNI don't necessarily apply to them. And you have everyone now living and working in an environment where the key principles of DE&I are connectivity and communication at a time when we are separated and we're not able to interact in sort of the normal way with the typical cadence of our everyday lives. So it's been really interesting to sort of try to connect talented individuals to corporations that are committed to this work at the, at a moment in time when it's very difficult to get to the core of who people are mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. distance. I love the the way that you map out, you know, this is diversity, this is equity, this is inclusion, and this is justice. It made me think as you're talking not only to the clients, but to candidates that are open to taking on a new position, many of them are using that as a way to vet, you know, if I'm going to pick company A or company B, I want to work for a company who believes this, who gets it. And I think that's such an interesting, you know, I don't know if you guys look at it sort of as a model, but it really is a way to break it down and very, very, very helpful. Because I like to think about not just this is important, but how do we begin to roll up our sleeves and bring this into action? And I think that's really helpful. So I've been thinking a lot about you know, how to lead in what I'm calling the hybrid revolution or how to lead right now during these incredibly turbulent times. So if you were to sort of summarize what your clients are looking for right now in their senior leaders, what are some of those top skills? I think a level of empathy and compassion, gravitas and a track record of history of accomplishment. I think a willingness to lead and to speak up. Individuals who are centered in whatever they, however they present themselves. And and that's just really having a level of self-confidence and awareness, a high EQ, 
someone that can read the room and thoughtfully pivot and make adjustments and the level of resiliency. I think if, especially if you're really going to bring new voices to the table, people that perhaps may have been shut out or for whatever reason, not given opportunities, you really see what people are made of when you take the time to listen to their story and you understand the level of resilience that it takes for certain people to achieve the level of accomplishment that individuals do. Yeah. That list really resonates with me. And I would think it's exponentially more important, those skills, when you're remote. And even though we're, you know, as we said in the beginning of this call, you know, we're feeling positive and the weather's better and we're getting vaccinated, we're starting to think about how we return to the office in some way, shape or form, but it's probably not going to go back to the way it was. So I would think that all those skills you mentioned, they're hard enough to do in person, let alone doing them via a screen. Is that part of your conversation as you're, you know, interviewing candidates as well? It's definitely part of the screen. And we've actually, in many of our searches, implemented an extra layer of conversation, if you will, because the only way to sort of drill down and understand the candidates that we're presenting is to really touch base with them and understand what's going on in in their lives. And you use the tools and the technology that you have to spend a few extra moments to understand where people are coming from, what's motivating them. There's been a reluctance especially at the height of COVID, for individuals to even consider opportunities because they were uncomfortable moving. They didn't want to disrupt lives that perhaps were um, in place. On the other hand, you have individuals that are seeking to move. We have um, an amazing number of applicants coming in from individuals who are stationed overseas, who are expats, that are now realizing that they want to be closer to family and more connected. So it really depends on the individual story that you're sort of processing. And then you're comparing their story, their circumstances, their commitment to make a move, their alignment with mission to their basic skills. And it's funny because after all is said and done, it, the skills are probably the least important piece of the equation. Yeah. It's, and in many cases, especially in these high-level jobs, you know, the skills are going to be table stakes. Like you need these skills and we're going to have 10 people that have these skills, but then what? How are you right. as a... It's the qualities. It's the, the personality qualities and those things that shine through that make the difference in the leader. Yeah. You know, in my first book, Bring Your Human to Work, which I wrote in 2018, well before we you know, heard of COVID-19, it, as you were talking, so many of the elements in the book and around being human, it sounds like more than ever, we need leaders who can bring their human to work, but also lead in a way that helps others, you know, bring their human as well. Absolutely. And we're seeing it sort of getting back to your initial question about, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion and even matters of justice in the workplace, those qualities are, 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 or I should say those benchmarks are necessary for leaders to understand how the women in their workplace are being impacted. The average woman um, is doing 20% more work at home while still balancing a career commitment. Members of the LGBT 
LGBTQ communities are feeling increasingly isolated during this moment in time. And a leader has to understand how the workplace framework and going to work in a space supports individuals that have much of their connectivity based on their work routines and being in the workplace setting. So a a true leader has to be able to take all of those factors in, understand how disruptive they can be and still lead through the storm and obviously hit the benchmarks that they need to to run a successful business. It is a challenging time to be a leader. Exciting time, but a really challenging time. So I want to go a little deeper on, on the issue of women. I mean, there have been so many articles that have highlighted just how many women have had to leave the workforce during this pandemic. I mean, I have friends, all of a sudden, the kids are home. They're not going to school. And in many cases, it was the woman who opted out, left her job to get the kids connected on Zoom and make sure the technology was working and and all of that. And so I do feel like we've taken a number of steps backwards for women specifically. So how do you think we begin to, you know, what do we do? How do we close that gap? And at least try to make up for what we've lost. The first way to close the gap is for women to really um, speak up and and say they need help. I have always worked. I was a working mom, and I am so incredibly grateful to the women that I had in my community who understood when I couldn't, you know, pick up from soccer or when I needed to leave early and have them perhaps drop my kids home after. And I think there are women that are suffering in silence and quietly feeling that they don't measure up because they think their peers are surviving because they show up on Zoom or on blue jeans or wherever, you know, put together and looking like they are holding it all together. And I I think people need to just be honest and say, look, I I need this help. I think there are opportunities for people to share space. And now with some of the restrictions coming down, families can kind of pool resources and pool, you know, babysitting duties and really give each other a break and allow them to be their best selves at work while also knowing that their children are safe and with extended family or friends and family that that love and will protect their children. Right. It's interesting. So it's both, you're saying it's both top down, you know, organizations need to address it. And I I do think that with companies, flexible work's not going away. So I do think that will be beneficial, not just for women, but for all of us, the days of FaceTime and having to be in the office you know, from nine to five to to feel productive or look productive, uh, I think are gone. But also from a quote unquote bottom up perspective to say, you know what, I'm going to take some control and reach out and, you know, try to get some help in my community. And I, I couldn't agree more. I even say this to my kids when, you know, they think that all the other kids have it totally worked out. And because of, especially with these kids on on social media, that if we can come together and come to the table with a sense of, you know, being real and vulnerable, saying, okay, don't have it figured out. And then the next person's like, oh, I don't either. (laughs) How can we come together and, and figure this out? I think it's really, really interesting. 
Well, and it's a process. It's something we're all learning to do. I know I've definitely had the veneer of having it all together at times in your life because you have to. That's part of battling through and getting um, the job at hand done, the task at hand done. But I think COVID has given us a bit more permission to understand that life can be imperfect and confusing and complicated. And we've all gone through a really scary time. I was reflecting and realizing that, you know, during this this period of time, I've, I've been incredibly productive work-wise. We've had, you know, family transitions. We, I, I personally have lost seven people who were family of close friends. And I think we all can now give ourselves a little bit of permission to speak up and realize that, again, we do need to bring our human to work and and be productive in a way that's best for our own um, health. Yeah. Well, what you were just saying reminded me of where where our conversation started, which is what I'm seeing as I talk to leaders in, in companies right now is one of the key things they need from their really from every leader in the organization, is the more that leaders can lead with some of that vulnerability. It was a study that just came out of Microsoft that said that right now leaders are faring, you know, 23% better than the average worker. So you have the average worker assuming that the leaders, oh, have it all figured out. And I've been doing right. a lot of coaching around, you know, you you need to share the good, the bad, and the ugly with what's going on in your life if you want the people that work for you to do the same, which is not only good for them as people, but it impacts your business. And so yes. I think it's so interesting. Everything that you're saying is is so inter interconnected, which leads me to, you know, you're talking about community and, you know, leaning on your community and, and how that helped you as well. I, I have to say, I don't know how many months ago it was on, but I did, I heard you on Michelle Obama's podcast talking about the gift of girlfriends. And I was thinking about that. I am about to take next week my first trip with some girlfriends. And I do think it's something we have in common that it's, it's like, we need to lean on our family. We need to lean on ourselves, but we really need to think about our broader community and so would love for you to to talk about the role of that in your life. You know, is that something that you felt helped get you through these these times? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's something that you definitely want to instill in your children to realize at different points in their lives, they're going to have these people that you share a moment in, in time and space and you have community based on just commonalities, be it kids in school or being proximate in the workspace. And it really was a a saving grace. I mean, when we talk about rituals and routines, we have routines, but the ritual of taking a walk with, with sort of girlfriends or pod of people, you know, everyone's sort of struggling with the isolation and the disruption in their households and you're really able to sort of settle in and enjoy those those moments with people that sometimes you're not even saying anything, but you just know that there's a level of comfort there. And I think that that's really been a, a blessing to me at every stage of life. I, I have a friend who I've been friends with since I was four years old. Wow. 
And we speak to each other twice a year, once on her birthday and once on mine. And we sort of catch each other up on the six months really in between. And the same holds true with, with my, my proximate girlfriends here that we've sort of gone through the pandemic and, you know, walking social distance dinners have really made a difference in terms of keeping you aligned and, and not feeling like you're isolated and a little bit crazy. <laughs> a little bit crazy. <laughs> I love that ritual with your friend of talking twice a year on yeah. on your birthday. That's the, I mean, I yeah. think it would be so it, interesting. It, All those, how long, how many years have you been doing that? I mean, we ever, ever since we had phones, you know, so we, we lived together, lived close in close proximity until we left for college. And then even when we were in college and through graduate school, we continued to just touch base. And, and that's, that's it. Twice a year, you pick up right where you left off and there's no, it, it's seamless. Wow. That's what I love about rituals. They're accessible. They don't have to cost anything. And there's a cadence, yeah. right? So it could be something you do every day, every week or twice a year. And that's, and, and it would, you know, I often say, you know, you know, it's a ritual when it would seem crazy if it didn't happen. And so, you know, it just wouldn't, this wouldn't happen. You're going to speak to this friend on your birthday and on her birthday. Exactly. But the other piece is the routine of things is very different than a ritual, as, as you noted. And I think for me, I understood that COVID interrupted my routines, right? Because you weren't going into the office, you weren't traveling, you weren't, you know, going to the dry cleaners or doing a lot of the things mm-hmm. that you typically do. But I think going into the holidays when you have, maybe it's because those are times of the years that are a bit more solemn and more introspective. I think that's when the loss of the freedom to do the rituals that I had become accustomed to really hit me. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I've heard you talk about your morning coffee. And I think that through COVID, I've begun to try to carve out things that aren't big or busy rituals, but things that are just more streamlined and simple. Yep. Because I think I needed, I personally needed to not feel a loss of something. I needed to feel more in control because everything about COVID and the disruption of our workplaces and having to make some really tough decisions about staffing and all of it really meant that there was an extra level of of stress Mm -hmm. on on myself and on the people that I was coming in contact with. So finding small measures of rituals and small routines have really helped me. And that's and that's consistent with the data that rituals ground us and they give us some order out out of that chaos. And so, you know, I'm I'm happy to hear that that has helped, not surprised because I do. I think we've all been feeling a little 
out of control. And so if you can have that morning coffee, you know, and and put the cup on your hands and feel the heat and take a couple of deep breaths or somebody shared recently, you know, he lets the dog out. Well, you know, that could be a routine because the dog might have to pee, but he's sort of transformed that moment into I go outside, I take a few deep breaths, I feel the sun, get the vitamin D on my skin, and I've accomplished that and felt connected in in that in that moment. So I love your message that that there are some small things, which which takes me right to a question that everybody gets on the podcast, okay. which is, you know, what do you do in your life that that makes you feel most like you? You know, most like Danielle. I think I would say dance. And it's it's just it, it's just a freeing, it's it's just whether it's in jest or whether it's something that you, you, uh, m- music moves you, I think that's just part of who I am. And it's just something that I've o- has always given me great joy. So obviously it's, it's not like I'm of an age where I'm going to dance clubs or anything like that. But, <laughs> but I do think that that has always been something that's been very connecting for me. Mm-hmm. It also stems from the fact that my grandmother loved to dance and I spent almost every Saturday night with her as a child. I would spend the night at her house and we would always dance and enjoy ourselves. She would just put on music and we would move. So I, I, that just holds a real strong place in my heart. You know, I love asking that question and, you know, everybody that's going to hear this podcast, but not, you know, we're looking at each other right now. Right, and right. just the way your face just lit up, you know, talking about the impact of dance, talking about your grandmother, talking about those memories. I think for all of us, it's important in these turbulent times to think about what we can do in our life that makes us feel most like us and try to build some time for it. And even yeah. and even in the search world, thinking about how can you find the right job or the right company that gives you a little opportunity to make to make you or enable you or give you the room to feel most like you, which right. which is what you're doing through your DE&I lens. Absolutely. I mean, it's so wonderful to um, have conversations with people and get them at ease and allow them to share really what their hopes and dreams are for their next role. And it's wonderful to work at the top of the house because leaders are capable of impacting change. And so they're in the best possible position to realize and actualize what they've always hoped to do, the type of work they hope to do, the type of legacy they intend to leave. And that's just really exciting. Yeah, no, I love it. All right, so we're gonna wrap up. I wanna ask you a few fun little rapid fire questions. Anything you can share with the group? What are you reading? What are you binging? Anything interesting these days? Oh, what did I, I just, well, I just read Shirley Chisholm's book. Great. And I also read, oh gosh, well, I'm, now I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh gosh. All right. Well, <laughs> no worries. That might come back. Well, yeah. and, and I see Ritual's roadmap right behind you in the photo. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> I read that, that a minute ago. I read that some, a bird, a little birdie sent it to me. <laughs> so you just went to California to see your daughter. Other than California, wh- where's the first place you want to travel to if, if everything opened up? Oh gosh, if everything opened up, oh gosh, 
That's a really good question. I think, you know, if every, every, everything opened up first, I have some family and friends I'd like to go see in New York and really spend some time, New York and New Jersey. So want to sort of reconnect with family and friends and people that I haven't seen in-laws, just, just people who are elderly that have been really observant of the rules. Mm-hmm. So that would be sort of trip one. And then after that grand tour, then, you know, I'd love to see Europe open back up yeah. and there's some places on the map that I'd love to explore. So we'll see. Right. Well, I vote for New York. And when you come, we can, you know, right. go to a dance club, maybe an outside one. <laughs> exactly. And the last- I'll just settle for, I'll just settle for a dance party in a basement well, or in a, yes. a rooftop. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> me too. Fine. Dance party it is. And finally, just one word that describes how you're feeling right now about the future of work. You know, this is excited. I'm just excited. I just think that people are going to be bringing a level of authenticity to the workplace like we've never seen before. This next generation of leaders and workers are, they are unapologetically themselves. And I think it takes some adjustment for the old guard to accept that. But I think once everyone, if everyone accepts that people are coming to the table with the best of intentions, then we're going to get a lot done. Great. Well, with that, thank you for being here. Continue to do all the great work you are doing. And I look forward to continuing the conversation as I truly believe you are at the center of this hybrid revolution. Thank you so much. Really, really, really happy to be here with you. All right. Take care. Okay, Okay, take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word HUMAN to 66866. Or you can connect with me by email at erica at spaghettiproject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time.